feels good in the house of the Lord today. Thank you for coming and being here. I turn your attention to 2 Kings chapter 19, and we begin reading in verse 1. 2 Kings chapter 19 and verse 1. Our theme this year is to be set free in 20 and 23, and we've talked about uh, being set free from fear. Uh, we recently had a series on being set free from financial bondage, and today we begin a new series of messages and our theme is going to be free from deadly habits free from deadly habits how many of you know the enemy would try to take you out if he could if you don't believe that i hope after the end of this series you'll understand from the word of god that the enemy would like to take you out because if he did he could stop you from praising god he could stop you from being a witness in this earth that there's one God and his name is Jesus Christ. But as long as we've got breath. Oh, hallelujah. Second Kings chapter 19 and verse 1. And Ahab told Jezebel, his wife, all that Elijah, that's the prophet, had done. And with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. That's referring to the false prophets of Baal and, and the grove. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. In other words, you're going to die just like all those other false prophets did. And when he saw that, he rose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. And he himself, everybody say by himself, went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree and he requested for himself that he might die and said it is enough now O Lord take away my life for I am not better than my father's I want to speak this morning on this subject free from a fatalistic mindset free from a fatalistic mindset. You may be seated and thank you so much for standing. If this can happen to the great prophet of Elijah, I would say that there's nobody in this building that's exempt from having a fatalistic mindset. Doesn't matter how long you've been in church. Doesn't matter how long you've been saved. You are a human being. You're wearing flesh today. And you can develop a fatalistic mindset that the enemy will then try to exploit and eventually try to get you to take your own life. Elijah literally requested that God would take his life. This great man of God that had called fire down from heaven in a, in a great contest on the top of Mount Carmel with the prophets of Baal, heaven responded to his voice. This man that prayed and dead was raised again. This man who prayed and stopped a drought in the city, in the country. This, this man who heaven stood at attention. This man was a human being. And he got to the point in his life where he just didn't think it was worth it to go any further. There are three things that I would like to lift from the scriptures that I read to you today in our text that I believe we can address this morning. And they can serve as warning lights for each and every one of us. The first one is a negative report. This is what got Elijah thinking that he did not deserve to even live any longer. It started with this report from Jezebel that I'm going to take you out. She was the queen and she was evil. She was evil, E-V-I-L, all capitalized. <laughs> and she was married to Ahab, who was a backslider. And together they were a deadly combination. But righteousness will always prevail. But sometimes... The people that are standing in the gap between righteousness and evil can get exhausted. And a negative report comes 
He's already tired, weary. Had a great victory, but the flesh is still weak. And now he gets this negative report from Jezebel. You are history. The reason that a negative report is so deadly is because it is a magnification of the enemy. You need to be careful that you don't magnify the enemy. I'm going to go one step further today. I think we got to be careful that we don't magnify the evil that's in our world. If we're not careful, we'll be all focused on the gender bending and all the wokeness of this society. And we'll get caught up in all of that. And we'll think that we're outnumbered and we're outmanned and we're outmatched. I've come to tell somebody today, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I don't come today to magnify the enemy. I don't come today to magnify evil. I don't come today to lift up Satan. I come today to tell you that great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And God will have the final say. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. Reported the spies of the promised land. The Bible says they returned with an evil report. Why? Because they magnified the enemy. They said there's giants in the land and we're just grasshoppers in their sight. That was a configuration of their own mindset. That they were outmanned, that they were outmatched. Can I remind you today that it doesn't matter how bad things get around you. One with God is a majority. I don't care if there's a hundred people on your job against you. I don't care if your whole family turned against you. One with God is a majority. As long as God is on the throne and you've got breath in your lungs, you can have a positive report. God is still God. Hallelujah. He's still the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He still sits upon the circle of the earth. Heaven is his throne and earth is his footstool. Hebrews chapter 11 is referred to as the hall of faith in the Bible. It lists all of these faithful men and women from the Old Testament. It says these all obtained a good report. The gospel is good news. The evening news is negative news. But the gospel is good news. If you're listening to the evening news more than you're listening to the good news, you're going to get a negative mindset. If you're listening to the world more than you're listening to God, you're going to get a negative mindset. If you're reading the paper, if you're reading the internet more than you're reading your Bible, you're going to get a negative mindset. It's not that we don't have the tools available to us. It's what do we give our attention to. As for me and my house, I choose to serve the Lord. I choose to say God can deliver anybody from anything at any moment. I used to be discouraged over the fact that I'd gained 50 pounds over the last 20 years. Until I read the word of God and it said, a good report maketh the bones fat. I realized I'm not fatter, I'm just happier. When I think of the goodness of Jesus. You'd be skinny and miserable if you want to be. I choose to be fat and happy. I choose to say, my God is great. My God can deliver. My God can save. He can heal Frank of cancer. He can deliver somebody from an addiction. He can do anything. We shall believe the report of the Lord. Whose report shall you believe? Philippians 4 says, if there be anything good, think on these things. Elijah was a man of God. Elijah was a prophet. But Elijah was a human being. And he let a negative report start a a spiraling, downward spiral in his own spirit. It's easiest to stop this at its inception. And this fatalistic mindset starts with a negative report. It starts with hearing about something that's happened in the family, something maybe that's happened to one of our kids, something that's happened on the job, something that's happened to a friend of ours. Or maybe even it's a report 
from a doctor of your own health. Can I tell you today that even when these bodies are wore out, God is greater. He's got eternal life for everybody in this building. And these bodies, I know the Bible says they're going to return back to the dust from whence they came. But guess what? You also have a spirit and a soul that's going to live forever somewhere. You might as well go ahead and praise Him now because you're going to praise Him for eternity. You might as well go ahead and exalt the name of the Lord. You say, how do you know that? Because I read in the book of Revelation that the saints are throwing their crowns before, before the throne. And they're saying, holy, holy, holy. Woo, hallelujah. You might as well go ahead and praise Him now. Let your body hear what's in your soul. Let your body be a part that's in your spirit. I choose to worship God now. So I can worship Him later. The second thing that Elijah did that jumped out at me from this text is that he isolated himself. Told his servant, you stay here. And he went on by himself into the wilderness. Isolation is the second thing that creates a fatalistic mindset. Death by isolation. The enemy can isolate you. He can start to affect your mindset. If he can sort of keep you in a segregated position off from the rest of the body of believers, he can isolate you. He can start to spread his lies and put it in your head. This is one reason why I don't believe Elisha would ever leave Elijah. He knew what his assignment was. I don't know who the servant was before Elisha, but that servant allowed Elijah to cause him to stay there, and he went on. But after Elijah is delivered from this depression that he's going through, the Lord tells him to appoint Elisha to be his successor, and Elisha would not leave him. There were three different times where Elijah told Elisha to stay here at Gilgal. Elisha said, as long as you live, as long as I'm alive, I'm going to follow you. And they went on together. And he told him, Bethel, you stay here. And he refused. Each one of these places, there's significance to it. And then finally at the Jordan, and he told him, you stay here. And Elisha refused because Elisha knew his role. Don't let Elijah be by himself. Yesterday morning, I was in Jacksonville with the Bible quizzers and I had been working on this message on Friday night and then I went to bed. We were going to start Bible quizzing in the morning. But at 4.30 in the morning, I just sat up straight in the bed, in the hotel room. And in my dream, which have you ever had a dream that was so real, you woke up and you weren't sure if you dreamed it or it had actually happened and you forgot about it before you went to bed? Well, that was this dream. I, in the dream, I was sitting at a table. It looked like we were like at a food court and I was telling my wife about this uh, thought uh, from Scripture that uh, uh, I had been told and shared to me by my friend, Pastor David Elms, and he had told me about a, a, a thought that he had heard uh, Pastor Wayne Huntley, who pastored for many years in Raleigh, North Carolina, where Brother Elms grew up in North Carolina, and he said, this message that, that Brother Huntley uh, preached when I was a teenager, and he was sharing the thought with me, I was like, man, that's such a great thought, and then I was sharing it with my wife, in the dream. And I, I said to uh, myself, did Brother Elms tell me about a message that Brother Huntley preached? I don't even remember that conversation. But in my dream, that's what had happened. And in my dream, I had shared it with my wife. And she had said, oh, that's good. So I thought, well... And I opened up my laptop where I had been working on this message. And I had these three points from this scripture that I had seen a couple of days before. And I had just jotted down. And I had worked on the first point, which was one I just shared with you about the fact that it was a negative report. And then I had worked on the third point, which I'm going to share with you in just a few minutes. But this middle part, isolation, it was just blank on the computer. And I realized that what I had dreamed was this entire second point. 
So from 4.30 to 6.30, I'm just typing, typing, typing as fast as I can. All this is coming back. I've never had this experience before, y'all. This is a brand new experience. And the only reason I think I had this experience was the Lord knew I had been with the quizzers and I was trying to work with the young people and the, and the Word of God. And the Lord said, I'm gonna, he's so busy, I'm going to have to just give him this while he's asleep. Because <laughs> I've never had anything like this happen. But I think God did this because of his love for some people that are in this audience this morning. God gave me something straight from heaven. I come to this pulpit today armed with the word of God straight from heaven because of his love for you. And then I, I had to confirm it because I didn't want this to be just me and my lack of memory. So I called Brother Elms and I said, did you ever tell me about this message? And I shared with him that thought from Brother Wayne Huntley. I told him all what had happened. He goes, no, we, ne- <laughs> we never had that conversation. I said, that's all I need to know. That's all I need to know because now I know that that came from heaven. God gave it to me. It fit. Here's what the thought is. Are you ready? Who does hell have to go through to get to you? That's what woke me up in the middle of the night at 4.30. Who does hell have to go through to get to you? For David, it was Abishai. Joab was Abishai's brother and he was captain of the guard. He got all the attention. He got all the headlines. But Abishai had a mission. And the mission was no one's going to kill David without first going through him. They would have to kill Abishai before they could take David out. And Abishai told David, we will fight your giants for you. You've been a giant slayer, and I'm not saying you're weak now and you're old, you can't do it. But here's what you got to understand. We can't afford for the light of Israel to go out. You almost died because Abishai's got a new sword, and he's trying to use it on your head. But from now on, we're going to fight your giants for you. The enemy's going to have to go through us. To get to you. So with trembling hands, David turns his sword over to Abishai. So my question today for you is, who does hell have to go through to get to you? I've been on a number of mission trips with Brother Derek Hayes, our head usher. He was with me in Haiti when our vans were ambushed with gunfire in the middle of the night. He was with me in Ghana, Africa. He's going to be with me later on this year, as some of you are, as we go to South Africa and Madagascar for crusades. And Brother Derek Hayes and I have never, ever had this conversation. But I can tell you his mindset, because I've watched him over the years. And this is Derek Hayes' mindset. And if it's not, Brother Derek Hayes can stand up and say, you're a liar, and I'll be okay with that. (laughs) Not from y'all, but from him, because I trust him. (laughs) Here's his mindset. If you're going to take out my pastor, you're going to have to go through me first. Am I right? I've come to tell somebody, you better have people in your life that can be a firewall and say, you're not going to get them. You're not going to get them, devil. You've got to go through me. somebody in your corner that says I'll pray with you I'll fight with you you're not going to go down by yourself now listen to me You have to give people permission to fill that role. You have to give people permission to fill that role. 
The President of the United States does not have to carry a gun. Because he's got people around him with plenty of firepower. And they are willing to give their life to protect the president. But they can't protect him if he doesn't let them protect him. If he's sneaking out of the White House in the middle of the night to go to the Waffle House... The Secret Service cannot do their job. The president has to give them permission. Everybody under the sound of my voice needs a spiritual firewall. That's why God designed the church and spiritual authority. It's to give you protection. I'm just telling you what God gave me. I was asleep. I couldn't argue with it. The reason that people, the reason, and I talked about this on Easter, the reason that Peter survived the mistakes in the denial of Christ that we talked about on Easter morning is because he gave Christ permission to be his firewall, to be the stopgap. You say, well, how did he do that? He did it with his love and his devotion to Christ. If hell was going to take out Peter... It had to go through Jesus first. This is why Jesus told Peter, Satan tried to take you out, but I stood in the way. Good God Almighty. Woo! I'm going to tell you something. Hell would have taken you out a long time ago. But Jesus stood in the way. You had a mama that prayed for you. You had a spouse that prayed for you. You had somebody that said, Oh God! Give them one more chance. You ought to thank God. You had somebody in your corner. Now watch this. The reason that Judas committed suicide and Peter was restored is because Judas never gave Jesus permission to be the firewall. Jesus tried when he reached for Judas at the Last Supper. He said, somebody who's at this table is going to betray me tonight. And instead of Judas falling down on his knees and repenting, the Bible said he slipped down into the night alone. Alone. And when he did, he removed his spiritual covering. He refused his spiritual protective service. How many people have been offended and walked out of a church and removed themselves from the protection of the body of Christ? The enemy will try to talk you into it because he can't defeat you while you're in the body. He can't defeat you while you're a part of the church. All he can do is try to give you a negative report and get you to isolate yourself. But when Peter was rebuked by Christ at the same dinner, Peter submitted to Christ by saying, don't just stop with washing my feet, but wash my hands and my head and wash me all over because I want all of you. He was saying, Jesus, I know I'm a frail human being. I know I make mistakes, but I don't want anybody to ever deny that I love you. And even though he had a crisis of faith, Peter wasn't by himself. He went fishing with the brethren. I said, he went fishing with the brethren. <laughs> Woo! He still had disciples around him. Don't isolate yourself. You may have a wounded spirit. Don't isolate yourself. You may be offended. Don't isolate yourself. Stay in the body. Just keep on coming to church. Just keep on lifting up your heads. Things are going to turn. I said, things are going to turn. It'll get better. God is on your side. God will help you. God will fight your battles. Just stay in the body. Talk about you. 
you got to give permission to Abishai and Elisha to protect you. You got to give permission to your pastor to protect you in the spirit world. How do you do that? You do it through your love and your loyalty. You do that through faithfulness and obedience. You do that by attending church, paying your tithes, submitting yourself to the word of God. When the pastor preaches under a burden for your soul, you come to the altar. You could stay at home and you could just send your offerings to somebody on the internet, but you refuse to die in isolation. You got a pastor. You got a church. You got a firewall. And if hell is going to take you out, it's going to have to go through me. And I gladly accept that assignment. I gladly accept that assignment. We're not here just going through the motions. We're not here because we couldn't find another job. We are here on divine assignment from heaven. That if hell's going to get your family, it's got to go through the church. If hell's going to get your marriage, it's got to go through the church. If hell's going to bankrupt you, it's got to go through the body of believers. Oh, you ought to lift your hands. You ought to thank God. I'm not going to die in isolation. In the name of Jesus. Here's what I can't do, and here's what this church can't do. I can't save you from yourself. I can't protect you if you keep slipping off the Waffle House in the middle of the night. You say, what are you talking so much about Waffle House for? Because I ate there the other day. And I've been repenting ever since. This is why Paul told the Roman guards in Acts chapter 27, as their ship was capsizing in the middle of a storm in the Mediterranean Sea off the coast of Malta. Paul says, everybody has to stay with the ship. If the prisoners and the guards and the crew and anybody else wants to be saved, they got to stay with the boat. If they go off on their own, they're going to drown in this storm. But if they stay with the ship, even if it comes apart, if they'll stay on the ship, they'll be saved. Because I'm going to be saved and everybody with me is going to be saved. Even if it's busted up and there's nothing but boards, you got to stay in the company of somebody that's got a hold of God. you got to stay surrounded by godly men and women that will help you pray. I come to proclaim today that if you stay in the church, you and your family will be saved. Don't die by isolation. Come out of the cave. You may be watching this morning by internet. I tell you this in the Holy Ghost. Turn off the Wi-Fi and get to a church. I said turn off the Wi-Fi and get to a church. We can't protect you from your home. I know you got your Dunkin' Donuts around you and you're sitting in your PJs this morning. But you're going to die in isolation. You got to join to a body of believers. You got to assemble yourself together. 
The Bible said, as you see the day approaching, even much the more. Come on. It's time to come out of our corners. It's time to come together in unity. If two or three can come together under the name of Jesus, they shall ask what they will, and it shall be done. God established the church so you wouldn't be a spiritual orphan. You have a mother. The Bible says the church is the mother. And there's something about the love of a mother. Sister Amy, who's a hundred and something pounds. I feel like I'm really sweating more here than I was before. I almost got in trouble right there. Here's 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 where I go for the correction, and this is what past this is what husbands do a lot. Amy Darlene Myers who may just be a small frame female. (laughs) She has twin 19-year-old boys who tower over her. But I can tell you her mindset. If you're going to go after them, you're going to have to go through her. She's not worried about Sophia because Sophia, she knows, can take care of herself. (laughs) But she will die protecting her kids. Because she has carried them in her innermost being. She has carried them with her prayers and her tears. And she will fight to the death for her babies. Every mother in this building is the same way. The church will fight for the death for you and your family. The church has carried you in your spiritual infancy. The church has carried you when you were sick. The church has carried you when your marriage was in trouble. The church has carried you when you lost your job. The church has carried you with prayers and immeasurable tears. And if hell is going to take you out, it's got to go through the church. So, Jesus, knows it's just a lot easier to just convince you to remove yourself from your protection to lure you out to Waffle House in the middle of the night church is the city of refuge as long as you're in the city you're safe this is why Joab had to coax Abner out of the city of refuge Joab was captain of the guard for David and Abner was captain of the guard for King Saul they were warriors they were skilled with a sword and a spear they had count fought they'd fought in numerous battles there came to a time where joab wanted revenge on abner 
because Abner had killed his baby brother. Joab wanted revenge, and Abner knew it. And Abner knew he was older and Joab was younger and it would not be a fair fight. He didn't want to take out Abner's brother. He knew what it would mean. But this young fighter kept pursuing him and pursuing him. Abner being old and getting tired. But he was still a wily warrior. So as this young boy got closer to him, Abner just pulled his spear in close and ran it between his arms and his side and the back. And as this young warrior jumped him, he literally went through the sword of Abner. And when word got to Joab, Joab said, Abner's a dead man. So Abner went to a city of refuge. You couldn't take anybody out when they were in a city of refuge. They were safe. And as long as Abner stayed in the city, Joab could not get him. But he let Joab talk him out of the city. He stood on the outside of the wall and said, Abner, my brother, come, let us talk together. Let us share together. We can't live like this. And Abner was tired and he wanted to believe him. So after a while, Abner comes out of the gate to greet a smiling, jovial Joab. They shake hands, they hug. They begin to catch up on old times. And as they walk away, arm in arm, Joab with his arm around Abner takes his dagger on the inside of his robe and sticks it up under the fifth rib of Abner and twists the blade. His organs exploding and hemorrhaging inside of his rib cage. And then he drops him on the ground and walks away. David heard about it. David mourns the loss of Abner. He says in 1 Samuel 3, and I don't think that David ever got over it because later on when he was getting ready to die and his son Solomon was taken over, he said, don't forget Joab and what he did to Abner. He never fully trusted him after this. But out loud in front of everybody, David mourns the death of Abner. And he said, Abner, Abner, you died as a fool died. Your hands were not bound. Your feet were not in fetters. You died as one dies before wicked men. He did. He died because he left his covering. My friend, you don't have to die as the wicked die. You know the truth. You know the plan of salvation. You've got a church. You've got a pastor. You know how to be saved. You are not alone. So don't die at the hands of your own wounded spirit. Don't die in the arms of a seducing spirit that talks you out of church. Stay surrounded with the people of God. Even though Peter was having a crisis of faith, in the hours leading up to the cross, he stayed with the brethren. He stayed connected. Judas slipped away by himself and took his own life. I refuse the spirit of isolation. You have to get to the point where you say, I may not like everybody, but I need everybody. Yeah. Turn to your neighbor and tell him that. I may not like you, but I need you. Now don't say that if it's your spouse. You're going to get in trouble. I don't want you to be in trouble like I'm already in trouble. I may not like you very much, but I need you a whole bunch. We need each other. You may look different than me. You may act different than me. You may have different preferences than me. But I need you and you need me and we need each other. We might as well get used to one another. We're going to spend eternity together dancing on streets of gold. You might as well get used to one another.
I quickly come to a close. Here's the third thing Elijah suffered from a faulty self image. He said, You might as well take me out because I'm no better than my father's. I'm not different than anybody else. I'm just another humanoid floating around out here on earth sucking air. I'm not special. There's nothing significant about me. I come to tell somebody today, that's a lie from the pit of hell. Hey, Elijah, who else called fire down from heaven? That's right, Elijah, a simple prayer and heaven responds with fire. You are special. You're not like everybody else. Just a few hours later, Elijah, heaven responds with rain and the whole nation is saved because of your prayers, because of your faithfulness, because you stood in the gap, because you became a human target for a backslidden king and a devil-filled queen. You stood in the gap. You are special. I know you're tired. I know you're weary from the battle. But don't believe the sound of your own voice. It's your prayers that raised the dead and brought a young boy back to life. Don't give me this business that you're not any different than anybody else. Have you already forgot the miracles that were manifest at the sound of your voice? At the command of your prayers? Oh, my friend, how soon we forget the miracles in our own life. I ask you this question today. If you're not special, then why did God save you? That's right. He spared your life. If you're no different than anybody else, why did God move heaven and earth to spare your life? Because you're special. I said you're special. You're a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. You were created in the image of God. There's nobody else that has the same molecular makeup that you have. You are the apple of God's eye and you were fearfully and wonderfully made. And the enemy wants to convince you that there's nothing special about you. That there's nothing significant about you. But I remind you today that the enemy is a liar. Don't listen to Jezebel. She's a devil married to a backslider. Don't let the enemy form your self-image. I read a number of years ago about some kids that broke into a Walmart in Arkansas somewhere. They didn't steal anything but all night on Friday. They went around and changed all the price tags. And on Saturday morning, people got up and went to Walmart. And there was an unbelievable sale going on. People walking out with lawnmowers for 37 cents. <laughs> Televisions for $2.49. After about an hour of this, somebody said, something's not right. Now, some people weren't getting a deal. A pack of pencils was $78. But at some point, a cashier said, something's not right, and told a manager. The manager went back and reviewed the videotape from the night before and shut Walmart down. I mean, we got trouble on aisle 3, 4, 5, 10, 40, 70. Then they put an ad in the paper and said, All of you that bought items from Walmart, between 8 and 9 this morning, we're going to ask you to bring it back. How many of y'all think anything came back? People are like, I bought this fair and square. 
And then Walmart ran another ad saying, in the, in the interest of good customer service, we've decided to let everybody keep what they bought. Tried to turn a negative into a positive. If we're not careful, we'll let the enemy put the wrong price tag on our own lives. You won't have any idea how valuable you are because you're aware of all your own weaknesses as we all are. You're aware of your own insecurities as we all are. But if you could see your value the way heaven sees it, priceless. I wish I had come up with that advertisement, and I don't know who MasterCard or somebody did, but they had, remember that they had all these different things of value? Then they had, what was it? MasterCard, priceless. That ain't true. MasterCard will charge you more than all the stuff you bought. By the time they get done with you. I thought I was getting some kind of a free loan through COVID for my my legal consulting, my LLC. I thought, man, this is so great. The government just giving away money. Then the next thing I know, I started getting letters from the Small Business Administration saying, you need to go through the launch portal and start paying back. I'm like, what are you talking about paying back? I thought this was free. They said, no, you got to pay it back now. I said, well, I better go on the launch portal. I tried to get on the launch portal and couldn't get in. And tried to get in the launch portal. And you got to have this, you got to have this, and a code. and got to have a number. And I said, I didn't keep up with all that. I thought the government just happy I'm a citizen. I thought they just giving me money, trying to keep me in business. I'm happy to take it. But now I got to pay it back. It took me five months to figure out how to get through the launch portal. I finally figured it out a couple of days ago. I got on there and owed $780 in interest. Well, if you'll know me, you'll know I hate interest. They said, you can pay $37 a month until you die. (laughs) I may have added that part. (laughs) I said, I'm going to be done with y'all right now. How much does it cost to get rid of y'all? They say, well, if you do today, but it takes five days to process it and it's accumulating $2.37 a day and blah, 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 blah. It'd be five days. I said, tell me how much it costs on Thursday of next week. I got rid of them. I paid them off. Because ain't nothing priceless about MasterCard. There ain't nothing priceless about the Small Business Administration. There ain't nothing priceless about anything in this world. But I'm going to tell you what is priceless. A man or a woman that the devil thought they had you. He thought he had you when he addicted you to alcohol. He thought he had you when you were addicted to pornography. He thought he had you when you were addicted to drugs. He thought he had you when your spouse walked out on you. But you're in the building today. And you're lifting up your hands. And you're saying, but I can bless the Lord. There's still value. God's got a destiny for me. God's got a plan for me. Priceless. Priceless. Once I was blind, but now I see. Once I was lost, but now I'm saved. Stand to your feet all over the building. God says I have value. I don't care whether you like me or not. God does. God says I have value. I love this song. Who am I that the highest king would welcome me? I was lost, but he brought me in. Oh, his love for me. Oh, his love for me. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. Free at last. He has ransomed me. His grace runs deep. 
While I was a slave to sin, Jesus died for me. Yes, He died for me. Because who the Son sets free is free indeed. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am whom you say that I am. You are for me, not against me. I am whom you say I am. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am whom you say I am. Who the Son sets free, oh, is free In my father's house, there's a place. 